0: Welcome to the 2SER Book Club, where every week we open up a new book and help you discover something to read, no matter what your taste. Here's Andrew and Tess.
1: Morning, Andrew.
0: Hey, Tess. How's it going? It's
1: going well. How are you? I'm I'm good. You're, go- I'm, You're good?
0: I'm a little bit sad. Why is that? Well, everybody knows, right? This yes. Is- this is going to be our last time talking books on the radio on a Tuesday morning. We would presume, I mean, we may talk books again in the future. <laughs> we will definitely talk again in the future. We may even talk on the radio. It's probably not going to be Tuesday morning. It's probably not going to be our book club.
1: I know. And that is, I'm, I'm, I'm in denial. I'm not admitting it to myself.
0: No. You're leaving us. You are you are leaving us to go right words, which is a very no, noble thing to do. I am. Um, but, you know, like, it's, it's the end of something.
1: I know. I'm actually, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm staying in denial because I'm actually really sad about leaving.
0: Yeah. And, and this is in no way like an office sweep to see who can get you to cry on no. air. Because we are all just <laughs> genuinely sad to see you go.
1: Oh, you're going to be the first to make me cry on air if you don't continue going. Tell me about <laughs> books. Distract me. All
0: right. So, um... I've actually been reading stacks of great books, um, you know, things you are missing out on. Claire G. Coleman's got a great new book called The Old Lie. I'm in the middle of reading Christos Chalkes' latest, which is called Damascus, and I, I will hopefully get to talk about them on air. But today, this is an absolutely fantastic book that I've read recently, and I think it's a very important book. Catherine Johnson's Paris Savages is what I would like to talk to you oh, about today. okay. Now, Catherine Johnson, she's the author of four novels, and we did speak uh, about her last novel. Matryoshka, last year.
1: I remember that.
0: Yeah, so that was a Tasmanian tale that looked at um, a situation of refugees in Tasmania and looked at sort of the generational situation of that. Um, Paris Savages is a very different type of novel, but it's absolutely fantastic. So... The story weaves a narrative around true events from the late 19th century that saw three Bajala people leave their home on Gurry, or um, as the white invaders had called it, Fraser Island, to travel through Europe in what came to be known as human zoos.
1: Oh, wow. I've yeah. heard of those. They are all sorts of bad.
0: You know, you know more about them than you think, and I think that's, that's about to become apparent. So, the narrative begins on Gurry, where German engineer Louis Muller is working as an anthropologist, living with the Bajala people. And he offers the opportunity to travel to Bonagera, who is uh, known as Bonnie, Girano and Dorandera, And they agree. They take it as an opportunity to highlight their culture. And also, Bonnie has this, um, this mission. He's going to petition the English Queen to intervene in the violence um, and the calculated extinction of their people. He wants sort of a, like a haven, some sort of, some, some sort of safety set up for them. The narrative unfolds through the story of Hilda, Muller's fictional daughter. So um, he didn't have a daughter named Hilda. She was created for the story. Hilda has grown up amongst the Bajala. She speaks their language um, and she's also broadly sympathetic to their cause and to their calls for freedom. Now, the genesis of this story began for Catherine Johnson when she heard of the rediscovery of a full body cast that was made of bonnie. The statue was uncovered, I think it was something like uh, 10 or 15 years ago, in a museum in Lyon. Wow. Yeah, and it revealed something of the story of these three budgela people who had travelled across the European continent. Um, So, it was discovered in Lyon. We know various places that they went to. So, this... um, Like so much of Australia's history that concerns Aboriginal people, this was a story that had fallen away, and little was known. So, Johnson embarked on a research project that ultimately culminated in a PhD for her, and the book, Paris Savages. So, it's important to note right now that this is a story of three Budjela people, but it is not told through their voices. The exercise is fraught with the possibility of appropriation. And when I spoke with Catherine, she told me about her concerns, not only about this, um, but also the, the, the close consultation and collaboration process that she did with Bajala academic Dr. Fiona Foley, as well as consulting with other um, Bajala people about these stories. Now, the story deliberately avoids telling from the perspective of either Bonnie, Gerano or Dorandera. Instead, it adopts the fictionalised voices of Hilda, whom we travel with, and we also see her diary entries, as well as this really uh, interesting omniscient narrator who is intriguingly woven into the tale. I'm not going to say too much about that. Okay. Now, the group begins their time in Europe, in Hamburg, as part of the Tierpark of Karl Hagenbach. And remember, this is woven into true events. So, Karl Hagenbach was, uh, was a real person. He ran this, um, what was sort of part part zoo, part sort of show. It was a bit very staged, The park and its environment parallel the American shows of P.T. Barnum, and um, yeah. Ah, um, okay, okay, got it. And in fact, there is there is correspondence and crossover with the American showman. Um, For people that aren't nodding along. this is this was this brutally fascinating part for me is I didn't know a lot about Barnum. I knew that he ran a type of circus. I th- I'd remembered hearing about when I was a kid. You know, when you're interested in circuses. One of the most famous circuses in the world at the time was Barnum and Bailey's. Uh, but it was also recently featured in the film The Greatest Showman with yes. Hugh Jackman playing Barnum.
1: I was going to say, and I and I, I haven't seen the film, but I did hear mm. that Hugh Jackman's version was a lot cheerier than the uh, the real life version. Um,
0: yeah, I think we can probably start <laughs> dropping terms like whitewash. Um, yes. <laughs> in here, because Paris yep. Savages is many things. This book is, it's an incredible book. But this contrast between the hyperbolic fanfare of the greatest showman and the racist pseudoscience that Johnson presents as the foundation for these shows is stark. Um, It was at this time in our history, a time when colonialism was firmly set but shoring up its power globally, that science was being brought to bear on the dubious question of race. And I'm going to just say now, like, the the idea of race from a scientific perspective is is on very shaky ground. Um, These shows were, were basically racist voyeurism that convinced many people of attitudes that are still held that somehow whiteness was superior as evidenced by the modes of living that you got to see in these shows these shows di- brought together people from across the globe to kind of live in traditional ways that were just meant to kind of contrast with the 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 beautiful big cities and <laughs> yeah, yep. aren't we also cosmopolitan the title, Parasavages, is meant to be ironic, although I, I think perhaps this is one of the riskiest elements of the book when viewed without the context of the narrative.
1: I was wondering actually about mm. that, yeah.
0: Um again when I spoke to Catherine, this is this is a question that she is constantly fielding. Um through the unfolding tale, Johnson means to question these notions of savagery versus civilization. I don't want to say too much about the story of Bonnie, Girano, and Dorandera because the book is is one that really has to be experienced. Suffice to say, though, that history has shown us um, they were not successful in petitioning the queen, but the things that they experience, um, the things that they suffer, really bring to bear the question, who are the savages um, in, in the narrative? Um, yeah, I, I, I want to tell you, I really want to tell you more. <laughs> um, but it, it is something that needs to be, to be read. Um, yeah, they weren't, sufe- they weren't successful in petitioning the queen. We know this because the the massacres in Australia continued. We are aware of this and we still live in a world where the oldest continuous culture on the planet is treated like annoying flotsam. Um, as we speak, uh, the Uluru climb has only recently closed and we got to see absolutely disgusting photos of people climbing all over a, a, a culturally sacred landmark and making the most spurious arguments that just dismiss the idea that the Anungu people have have any right or claim to, to a sacred space. Um, it's,
1: yeah, but yeah, and the lines to line up. Some of the videos were the the one that really stuck with me about that. There was a, a video I watched where somebody was going around interviewing people in the line uh, to, to climb Uluru just before it closed, and uh, yeah, this one guy in a in the, in the wife beat a singlet goes, "Well, it's there, isn't it? It's a rock. It's meant to be climbed." Like mm-hmm. the fact that that is such a, a pervasive attitude still.
0: Get out and read *Parasavages* because the we can start to see where these attitudes were gestating and how they gained so much power. These were people that were working hard with, if not a conscious, at least a subconscious agenda to prove inferiority and, and superiority. Um, and it's, it's it's annoying, it's disgusting that we, we have the hangover, if not the active participation in these pseudoscientific incorrect views to this day. Um, because yeah, *Parasavages* is, is a book, it must be read, but it's a novel that must be read critically. And I, I really would hope that people are going to discover this book and then ask about all the other stories that have been lost, or the stories that have been actively silenced. And it may lead them to go out and discover many of the fantastic works by black writers who are telling these stories. Um, because that, that is the place to listen to the stories.
1: Oh, that's a hell of a one to bring in for the last one for me. I, I have, I don't even really know where to start. Like you said, there's so many elements to it. It's it's just very mm. much like Matryoska, actually. There are so many mm. elements to it. I don't know where to begin.
0: Yeah, and I think um, this is this is why I'm going to constantly, um, you know, talk to people about books <laughs> and and Sproik books and try and get so many of these these voices heard and read by people is because they have a chance to speak into. Um, speak into spaces where we don't always hear stories and they give us a world not only outside our own experience but outside our own time
1: Oh Well I'm putting it on the reading list uh, Andrew thank you so much for everything
0: Thank you Tess I'm looking forward to reading the words that you will be <laughs> writing and um, just just the most amazing you know, experience working with you Aww. so looking forward to seeing what you do next
1: Thanks so much Andrew
0: You've been listening to the 2SER book club We record on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation at 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia. The show is produced and presented by Tess Connery and Andrew Popel. If you're enjoying the book club, why not subscribe and get new episodes delivered straight to your phone every week. If you want more books, you can tune into Final Draft or subscribe to Final Draft Great Conversations Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. To keep up with everything happening at the station and discover more stories, ideas and music, follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just look for at 2SER.